0: My hope is in the Lord, Lord, who gave himself for me. me. Good morning, this is Lane Jones, pastor of Calkins Baptist Church, speaking for the Beacon of Hope broadcast. And last Sunday I gave a New Year's message to our congregation that seemed to hit a nerve with our people and so I thought I'd pass it on to you folks as well on the radio pray it'll be a blessing to you this message that I've entitled the advantages like of you to Christian turn companionship with me to Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8 now uh, for a number of months we've been working through the book of Romans and lord willing next week I plan to go back to that but I thought I would talk to you a little bit about the new year and some thoughts that I had concerning that, and so we're not going to keep one particular passage this morning like we normally would do, where you know you kind of hang in in one spot and then you maybe do a little offshoots from there. But we're not going to do that this morning, so you don't have to worry about hanging on to one particular passage. We're going to be talking about um, an issue of that I think, uh, as I've been trying to think about uh, what our greatest need is and and so, as a church family, you could say, well, there may be opportunities to serve or there may be sins that are, are are afflicting us as a church family. And certainly you have to think about those type of things and um, discussing those things uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in the ministry of, of, of pastoring a church. You have to be thinking on those type of issues. But if, if I was really, as I began to consider this, you know, I think sometimes the opportunities to serve or even the sins that, we need to uh, forsake as a, as, a, as, a, as a people. They're more the fruit than they are the root. And so that's what I'm trying to get at a little bit more this morning is some of the root issues that I think could really be a blessing to us as a congregation moving forward in the new year. And so uh, let's just read uh, Le- Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8. And again, you don't have to hang on to this passage, but I just want you to think... About um, what this is saying to us, and some other verses that'll mean uh, be very similar, Moses is talking to the children of Israel. there's a blessing that he's trying to that he's, he's saying that they will have if they will follow the Lord. And this is one of them. He says, five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you." Before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We ask for your blessing. Upon your word, give me wisdom that I might be able to share it uh, clearly so that folks would understand what I believe you have laid on my heart. And I pray that this would be helpful to all of us, that we'd really think through what your word has to say and apply it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, those of you that are fairly decent in math, did you notice any discrepancy between the two scenarios? Five of you shall chase a hundred, and what does he say? Ten of you. Is that how it works? Hundred of you will put ten thousand to flight. I'm sorry. That is a different factor. Let's get than about the odds are getting better and better. Is what? Okay. As you're progressing in the work, what's that? The enemy can fly. Uh, The enemy can fly. No, Eric, sorry, he's a helicopter pilot. No, the enemy can't fly. Put 10,000 to flight. Sorry, Eric, that's not what he's saying. That's 10 by 20. Yes. Well, the factor when you have five people working together was 20 to 1. What was the factor when you had 100 working together? It's a 100 to 1. There seems to be... In the work of God, in the battles, and and, and now he's talking on the physical plane, but we we know that there's a a spiritual element in all of this, too, that numbers matter. Um, You think about, so that's Leviticus 7, 7 and 8. Uh, I want you to also look at another passage in Deuteronomy 32. It says something pretty similar, Deuteronomy 32. So if you're in Leviticus, you just go two books toward the back, Deuteronomy 32 and you want to look at verse 29 to 31 Deuteronomy 32 29 to 31 it says oh that they were that they were wise that they understood this that they would consider their latter end again Moses is trying to to explain to the Israelites the God's people the blessing of that they had at their disposal. Unfortunately, they didn't always receive this blessing, but he says, oh, that they, would, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless the rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? For their rock, speaking of the pagans, their, their, their gods is what he's talking about, is not like our rock, the true God, even our enemies themselves being judges. He's saying that the pagan nations knew. And I, I believe he's absolutely correct on this. He's not exaggerating this. He is right that the pagan nations did fear the God of Israel. He said, I'd put my fear on them, and he did. But did you notice again a difference in, in the ratios one was 10 was a thousand to one and what was two well we are we challenged in math today is that the problem five thousand to one thank you we do have some you just work requ- the math people are they are they're they're quiet people by the way math people are quiet people boy is that a broad brush isn't it we just did you notice again numbers matter? Now, you think of a New Testament principle. I could start it. I'll probably get to that passage later on. But where, where Christ said this, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Why all of this talk and showing God's concern that people work together? And I will just say this, because companionship is a big deal relationships are a big deal. That, by the way, that first painting, let me just pop it back up for you to see if I can get it back there. Maybe I can't. Maybe I just messed something up. Um, right there. That's a, from the French school. By the way, the French um, uh, at this time, they, uh, many times these painters in the, in, the, in the early days, they didn't know what the Middle Easterns necessarily looked like, but that's supposedly Moses and Aaron riding out with the children of Israel. That's what they were trying to depict there. And um, it's interesting, isn't it, that God was calling Moses and Moses really didn't want to go until God says, look, I'm going to send Aaron with you. And he's going to be a voice for you. He's going to be able to speak when you can't speak. And I'll just say this. I think as a, as a church, we have, uh, and I'm not saying this, I think this is across the church broadly, but I think that we can also fall into the same category. I've got a passage there in Romans if you want to find it if you're quick. It's Romans 13. But we have, I think, a common problem in the church at large, and I don't think we're immune from that problem, and that is, first of all, many Christians are unaware of what's going on in their church family. Sometimes we we think it's enough just kind of to walk in and walk out, and we're very much self-centered, and that's not good. We're unaware of what's going on, the spiritual needs of people around us some that we know and some that we don't know. And listen to what Romans says. If you're there, you can read it with me. It's Romans chapter 13. I'm at verse 11. It says, and, and, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And what he's saying is that sometimes as Christians, we like that guy who's supposed to be guarding a place. We're asleep. And it doesn't mean physically asleep. It's the idea of, of, of being unaware, being spiritually asleep, but we may be involved in all kinds of activities and doing all kinds of stuff and be very busy doing things that, quite frankly, aren't going to make a, a, a bit of difference in the light of eternity. Instead of really focusing on what should uh, be the most important thing in our lives, and that is, is, am I serving the Lord? Am I being a blessing to God and to his people? even people that maybe don't know the Lord yet. Many Christians are unaware. They're like that guard asleep. Second, by the way, what happens to you as a guard if you fall asleep on, the, on guard duty? That's a capital offense. I tremble about that because I think so many times that even as a pastor, I've been asleep when people's needs are all around me. Many Christians are willing to offer advice. You can see the guy there on the couch and the person with the clipboard Sometimes as Christians, we can fall into that mode. And by the way, there's nothing wrong, and we'll talk about that, that listening and talking, these are good things. These are good things. But I will say this, that if we as Christians are only about giving advice, and I can be there, because as a pastor, right, you're supposed to be the answer guy, right? You're supposed to have answers for people. And so you try to to give them truth, and that's important. But I will tell you, that will fall short, too. Many Christians are unaware of the needs of people around them, don't really even care. Many Christians will offer advice, but I'll tell you this, very few will go to war with you spiritually, and I'll tell you that will make a difference between whether a church is effective or not. It really is not the issue of how many people walk through that door on a given Sunday. It really is not. The big issue is are we ministering to each other and literally going to spiritual warfare for each other? And there are churches that don't get some things right. <clears throat> we don't either, by the way. But maybe they don't have all their doctrines straight or they don't have this or that right. But I will tell you, if, they're, if they have some Christians in there who are battling for the souls of men and the souls of their brothers and sisters in Christ... Praying with each other, praying for each other, ministering to each other on big heart issues. Those are the kind of churches that are going to get something done. I want you to look at these passages. Just I've got just a smattering of them. I tried to put them in the order that you'll find them. So you're in uh, Romans 13. If you're, if you're there, you're right across the page of my Bible or maybe one more page over. Romans 15 and look at verse 30. I just want you to see how in the early church and they don't have buildings by the way they're probably not counting attendance. I don't know how big of a budget they have. But what they are doing when they're when they're doing what's right and again there are people like us they're not perfect people but when they are going on and God is using the works it is because people are going to war for each other. And God said one can chase a thousand and two can put 10,000 to flight. Do we have a spiritual battle going on for our lives and for the lives of people around us? Romans chapter 15, look at verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. So in what way was Paul asking the people of the church of Rome, who, by the way, have not met him yet, they don't even know him, What's he asking him to do in the spiritual battle? What's he asking him to do? To pray for him. Strive together with me. Boy, I think about falling short on that one. Major passage of spiritual warfare is Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going next. Ephesians, we're going to move toward the back each time. Ephesians chapter 6. He just got done talking about the, the, the armor of God. The last thing he mentioned, excuse me, in verse seventeen was the was to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Verse now, verse eighteen, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. He is saying that the prayer ministry, based upon the whole concept of spiritual warfare, that this is something that we've got to watch and we've got to be on top of. And I will just tell you, this is, one of the, this is the big challenge for me this year as a pastor of, of, of you folks. This is the big challenge for me. Verse 19. And for me, Paul's asking this that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, which means he was in prison, that in, uh, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's saying, pray for me that I'll have boldness. So you, can, I mean, you can imagine Christians saying, oh, Paul, we don't need to pray for you. You're just a bold testimony for Christ. Paul's saying, no, I need it. I need your prayers. And can I just say that I, I will, by God's grace, be praying for you this, this year, but would you pray for me? I know what it's like to lack the boldness and wisdom on what to say to people. It happens all the time. Colossians, you're going to go just a couple books over. At Philippians, and you're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. Look at verse 12. This is a different guy. This is not the Apostle Paul. He's talking, he's writing about a guy by the name of Epaphras. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's out of the church of Colossae, okay? Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in, in all the will of God. Here's a guy, that this is basically all we know about him, and that is this. He was praying fervently for his church family back in Colossae. The Apostle Paul writes about him. Second Thessalonians, we're going a little farther toward the back, not very far, just two books. Look look with me at chapter 3. Here's another request that Paul was asking for the the Thessalonian believers to pray for him personally. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Now, that's an interesting prayer. Pray that God's word will run swiftly, that God will accomplish much through his word. Okay? Just like it happened with you. He goes on. He says, And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. And that's a good request, too. That God would deliver us from those who are unreasonable and evil, who can do great damage to God's work. I want you to notice the, uh, the next one is in 2 Timothy. Um, and chapter 1. And look at verse 3 and 8. Now, this is, this is the Apostle Paul writing to one man. He's a man that Paul evidently led to the Lord himself. He's now a, a minister of the gospel as well. His name is Timothy. And notice what he says here. Paul writing to Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and, and, and night and day. Timothy, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you throughout the day, throughout the night. Look at this verse 8. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul's saying this Timothy, follow. Follow my example. Don't be ashamed of what I'm doing, because the fact that I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed that people are slandering me. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm a soldier with you, Timothy, and I want you to follow me. Many Christians are unaware of the needs of people around them. And quite frankly, it's because we're too self-absorbed. Secondly, many Christians are willing to offer advice, but very few are willing to go to war with you spiritually. And that's what we need. That's what we need. So who needs companionship? You see the picture here in the upper part? I want to show you that one, bring it up a little closer. That's the National Guard, 100, well, it's not the National Guard, excuse me. That's the 101st Airborne, 1957. You see there's two African-American young ladies there that are attempting to go to school in in, uh, Central High School, Little Rock Central High School, 1957, they were known as the Little, Rock, the Little Rock Nine. But 1957 was shortly, three years earlier, the Supreme Court had said that there should be integration in schools, that it should not be black schools and white schools and, and that type of thing. And so this was the first group in Little Rock, Arkansas, that was going to try to go to a, a white school. And people hated these people. These kids are 15 and 16 years old. There's only nine of them that dared even to try it. Now, you'll notice, why do you think those soldiers are there? What's that? Protect to protect them. That's exactly right. There were some people that even threatened before those soldiers got there. They, they, they threatened to um, storm the building and root the, the people of a different race out of their school to me that picture illustrates one of the groups that needs companionship and i'll just enable them as the vulnerable the vulnerable look at first thessalonians chapter 5 have you thought about going to spiritual battle for the vulnerable in this congregation or in your sphere of influence. Here's a simple verse, but it's really got a ton that you could talk about. He says, now we exhort you, brethren, so notice he's writing this to believers, warn those that are unruly, so is the rebellious person vulnerable. Oh yeah, they're big time vulnerable. They don't know it. But they're vulnerable to have their life destroyed by Satan. Warn the unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. So is the person who's faint-hearted, who's discouraged, who's downtrodden, are they vulnerable? Yeah. Uphold the weak. That person's vulnerable too. Be patient with all. But folks, I, I ask you, first of all, are you sensitive to people around you? Are you thinking about the people around you? Are you looking with eyes of discernment at at people old and young, the vulnerable? Like that little girl walking into school, trying to just go to school. She's vulnerable. Second group of people, the wayward. They were mentioned here. What happens when God begins to Discipline the wayward. You can find this in Hebrews chapter twelve. I've got some verse, a couple of verses for you there. Very interesting how this uh, this plays out. In my, as as I as I read this, I I find it fascinating. I'm starting at verse eleven. He says, "Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it." So chastening. Okay, who is God chastening? Is this an unsaved person or a Christian? It's a Christian. He chastens his own. He doesn't chasten the lost. He mentioned that up earlier. Verse 12, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. The picture is of God's chastening being so severe in one of his children's lives that they are shaking in the knees. Their hands are hanging down. They're just, they're really going through a very difficult time of affliction. And he says, therefore, strengthen the hands of these people and make straight paths for your feet so that that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Sometimes Christian people stray from the Lord and God begins to bring affliction. And quite frankly, there's no one to step up and help them. Do you remember Jim Baker? Who is Jim Baker? He was kind of a, a mess, wasn't he? A Pretty hypocritical guy. Got in some serious trouble and is up in prison, if you remember. Now, I can't confirm this, but I did hear this. I think Jim Baker said it himself. The day he left prison, somebody showed up. To be with him. Do you remember who it was? It was Billy Graham. I got to admire that. Here's a guy that had failed miserably. And yet there was a Christian who was sensitive enough to say, you know what? I'm going to be there. I wonder how many Christians have gone through affliction and there isn't anybody to step up. It doesn't mean you you can change that, because God's doing the affliction. But to step up and say, you know what? I can also communicate the love of God to you. How about the lonely? You think there's any lonely people around us here? Hebrews chapter 10, we're not very far away. Look at verse 24 and 25. notice the very first statement and let us consider one another think about the people around you not just about how quickly can i get on to my next thing i want to do consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, what does that word exhorting mean? Encouraging, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, and the day he's talking about is the day of the Lord's return. So let me ask you a question. Who battles loneliness? Let me give you, get you started on this. Do you think children ever battle loneliness? Why do they sometimes battle loneliness? Why does a child sometimes feel lonely? You can help me. You know this, adults. I'm, okay, I heard something. They're not included. Very good. They're different. They're made fun of. Maybe they have a handicap. Children battle loneliness. Who else battles loneliness? I'm sorry? Okay, good. I'm, I'm getting there. Take me another stage. How about the teens? Teens ever battle lawyers? It's kind of interesting on on this particular picture. I don't know if you saw it, but the, there's kids all around. This kid there in the, in the camouflage, we're talking, having a good time. He's got an earpiece on. Sometimes that's almost a defense mechanism because no one's talking to you. Sometimes it's it's they're uh people can 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 get into their own little world they don't care but believe me teens often battle loneliness how about how about singles do they ever battle loneliness sure especially if they're looking at life maybe being alone that's tough but do we see them do we really see them and are what are we doing to help them um how about, th- this is one you probably would not have listed, although in some of you, because you, you'll agree with it because you've been there. That is young moms. Do young moms ever battle loneliness? Yeah, why? You're home alone, sort of, right? Your conversation is at the three-year-old or five-year-old level, right? And it's not always easy, is it? And so sometimes young moms, and, and, and dad many times off working, and, and uh, she, she's there by herself. And young moms have often, or there was a group, remember Mal, back when um, our kids were young called the, uh, it was called Mops. And so a number of young moms would get together about once a month down at the wholesale Gospel Tabernacle, it was called that at the time. It was a tremendous encouragement to Molly. Uh, here's another group that you probably wouldn't have listed people who are addicted to some sin why do they feel lonely I'm sorry many times they do feel like they're the only one very good very good and also who do you tell you know what I'm saying I'm just saying this and I'm not I'm not saying it's right and please understand I, I don't want this to be so but I'm the last guy they want to call, typically. And I'm glad, I, and let me tell you this, when someone calls me with a heart issue like that going on, I am flattered that they would call me. I look at it as a privilege. If you open your door of your heart to something very personal, I look at that as a, as a privilege that you have opened up to me. So I want you to keep that in mind. Don't feel like you can't talk to me. People say, well, you're too busy. I'm not too busy for that. That's why we're here, Tony. Many times they do feel there's no way out because they've tried. Right? Right? Repeated failures. And sometimes we say, well, I can't tell the church people where that's really what we're supposed to be all about. Helping each other. Going to battle for each other. But if I'm only going to be the counselor or if I'm not even concerned... What we need, and I think what people would respond to, is if they know, you know, if I talk to so-and-so, they will go to battle for me. They will uphold me in prayer. They will, they will talk to me and encourage me along the way. Boy, don't you wish you had someone like that? I say the world's crying out for some people like that. How about this person, the handicapped? Do they ever struggle? Do they ever feel lonely? Absolute. I'll give you one more. What about the bereaved? Were they are old or young? Remember when, um, I think it was Marsha Barrera, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, she talked about, after losing her husband, Fernando, just the difficulty of having to sit by herself. Some things that we don't think about. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Beacon of Hope broadcast, a ministry of Calkins Baptist Church. Now back to the message. And just again, Christians who are sensitive mean the world to people like that. Uh, Those of you who have been here for a number of years remember a World War II vet named George Skeens, who was such a godly man, such a great guy. I will tell you this, the man came to church in many ways each week so that he could get the hugs from the kids. who would come up to him each week, ask him how he was doing, give him a hug, let him know they cared. They meant the world to him. They really did. Who needs companionship? What about the wounded? We were talking about that earlier, but go to Galatians chapter 6 with me. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1 and 2 Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, okay, that's a sin, isn't it? To act of rebellion. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ again uh, this picture and by the way that's a that's a picture of um, people in Vietnam, guys in Vietnam carrying people who had been wounded off the battlefield that's a reality but it's it's a it's a it's a spiritual reality folks we are in a we're in a battle for the souls of men, and I will tell you that the forces that we're dealing with are much more powerful and wise than we are. We're dealing with 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 a spiritual battle. And people get wounded. It's a reality. Good people get wounded. And we need people who will come alongside. About, now the afflicted I already mentioned I already mentioned about the um People have been afflicted because of because of God's chastening. But I do want to take you to one passage here in Matthew, just the Matthew one. While you're turning there, the other one is when, when um, in Samuel, is when Jonathan, David's best friend, came to him when David was continually fleeing from Jonathan's father, King Saul. And Jonathan says, specifically says, Jonathan encouraged David's heart in the Lord. They had a, he found him out in the woods there. And, and just came for the specific reason of trying to encourage David spiritually. Boy, that's a guy you want as a friend. Great man, Jonathan. But in Matthew 26, this may surprise you. I want you to look at what happens here. This is the night where Jesus is about to be betrayed. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him... Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. What is Christ asking for here? He's asking for companionship in one of the darkest moments of his life. He's asking for someone to be with him. Let me tell you this. If the Lord Jesus needed companionship, It's okay for us to need it too. It's okay. It's not just okay. It's something that we should seek out. Do you realize that the strong and the godly need companionship? Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17. Many of you know this one. It says that iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need it. It sharpens us up. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, often use this at weddings, it says two are better. If you remember, he said that when, when, when you have two instead of one, he said if, if you fall, your, your companion can help you up. But why did he say three is better than two? He says, he says a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He said that, uh, uh, that someone can withstand, maybe you can uh, with, with two people maybe can be overcome, but boy, it's hard to overcome three companionship is something good. Daniel chapter 1, you know what that passage is about? It's about when the king was, Nebuchadnezzar was about to kill all the wise men of Babylon just out of whim, he got angry with them because he had a dream and, and the guys he consulted couldn't answer what the dream was about. And so he's about to kill them all and Daniel goes into the king and he says, um, give me some time and I'll, I'll pray and I'll ask God to show me what you dreamed and what the interpretation is. He goes back and what does he do? He talks to his three friends. Pray with me about this, fellas. we gotta, we got to get an answer here. He goes back, and, and with, with the, the prayers of himself and his three friends, God answers that prayer. Chapter 3, the passage of that is about the three, uh, three Hebrew, Hebrew children that would rather burn together than bow. Don't think it didn't help having three of them there. The serving need. Companionship. When Jesus sent out his disciples in Mark chapter 6, Guess how he sent them out? Was it by by themselves, individually? Nope, he sent them out in twos. In Acts chapter 13, when the Holy Spirit wanted to send out the first two missionaries, Paul and Barnabas together went out. Companions. God sent more than one. The battling. The passage where Jesus is saying where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. You know what that's in the context of? Church discipline. When there's a situation is not being resolved, the temptation is that we, especially as Americans, we look at the John Wayne characters and the, the, and the Lone Ranger, and I say, well, others may need help, but I'm independent. I really don't need anybody else. I can handle the Christian life by myself. Well, before we get into how you and I are doing individually, let me ask you the question, does anybody else maybe need you? So let's say you were perfect. Let's say you were doing everything right. Does that mean that no one else needs you? So how are you doing? How are you doing on your marriage? How are you doing on raising your kids? How are you doing on battling against personal sin? Whether it be pornography or immorality or doubts about your salvation or doubts about God's existence or about God's goodness to you or fear or bitterness. How are you doing? How are you doing about the battle for the souls of others? Do you have anybody that you're burdened for? you can't seem to reach? Do we re- are we meant to be Lone Rangers? By the way, the Lone Ranger had Tano, didn't he? He did. God has made us to need each other. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. There are times when God in his in his providence has allowed one of his servants to be isolated by himself. Think of John the Baptist very possibly in prison. But I'll just say to you that by and large, if we have the opportunity, we ought to be seeking to walk together with other people, to be a blessing to more than just ourselves. It really does help. Companions are a good thing. When my wife and I first got married I don't know where we got the idea, um, but we decided that we would pray for friends. We'd pray that God would bring other couples to us that we could fellowship with, have as as companions. And God answered that prayer; He really did. I can look back at at some of the friendships that God gave us that have gone on for for uh, uh, really for decades now. So, how can we help each other? I like this painting. I showed it a couple of weeks ago. It's called Godspeed. A young woman tying um, some kind of a thing on her, I don't know if it's her husband or intended uh, arm as he's about to go out to battle. And I think it illustrates something. First of all, you do not need to be in the battle to help. You don't need to be an addict to help an addict. You don't need to have all the circumstances they have. Because by the way, you don't. Okay, everybody who's been bereaved could tell you if they really thought about it that every situation is unique. Nobody has exactly the same marriage. They don't have the exact same family situation. They don't have the exact, it just doesn't all line up. It's like a fingerprint. Every situation is unique. So, you don't have to have the experience that someone else had in order to be a companion, to be a help. But how do we help other people? Let me just give you a few practical ways. Number one, fellowship. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And these will not necessarily be in any kind of order. It's just um, this is one of the ways that we help each other, and that is by fellowship. What is, what is fellowship, by the way? What is it? I'm sorry? It's, it's, it's having conversations with people. It's being friendly. It's, it's being a blessing. It's looking around and seeing maybe, and I, I know some of you do this, it's seeing a person that maybe doesn't have anybody talking to them and stepping up. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's a good thing. That's in the teaching. And fellowship, notice it there, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They're talking together, they're eating together, they're praying together. Fellowship. It's a big deal. And I don't fault, believe me, understand, there are times when, when, when you have something busy, and I've had the same thing. And there's been times, even as the pastor, when I've had to say, I've got to leave at, immediately after this service, and I've had to just walk out the door. And there's no problem with that. I would just say this, on a weekly basis, that shouldn't be the way it ought to be. It ought to be, I'm looking for someone that I can be a blessing to in some way. It's not about me. Next thing is listening. Here's Proverbs 20 and verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. Now think about it, the hearing ear and the seeing eye. Saying, God gave you some ears, and they're for a reason. Listen. God gave you some eyes. Look. But look with discernment. Look with discernment. Encourage. I like this out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The apostle Paul is writing back to this church. He didn't, he wasn't able to spend very much time there. The Bible says three Sabbath days he was there. And, But in that time, he got a lot done, and he's writing back now to these people, and they're under persecution, and he's trying to explain to them what he was doing when he was there. He wasn't there very long, and and so I'm jumping in mid-sentence. He says, as you know how we had exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children so that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Josh was talking to Sunday school this morning about how good it is that we can talk about the weather because it gets a lot of conversations started. I thought that was a pretty good point. But I will tell you this. People are longing to get beyond the weather who have a need and see it. I know there's a lot of people that don't care. They're, they're, They're unengaged. But I will tell you, that a person who senses their need would love to get beyond the weather if they only knew how to do it and by the way it doesn't always happen the first time you meet somebody that's why prayer is going to be a very important thing got a pastor friend of mine who I really admire because of his prayer ministry and so i i'm not talking about something that i don't believe in myself for for um go go with me to Acts chapter 6 no no um take the philippians 4 passage take the philippians 4 passage we'll just do that one i'll tell you about the other one but for for decades in my ministry if i really got a tough nut to crack you know what i'm saying something a, a situation that was pretty rough you know who i'd call my dad He would go to war with me. He prayed about stuff when I forgot to pray about it, to be honest with you. He was that kind of guy. And God, in his goodness, has given me some other guys who I can do that with, who I can pray with, who I can share with. And I am telling you, it means the world. Philippians 4, look at verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, don't be worried, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. I think it's going to be amazing to us the situations that we encountered in life and we never thought to pray. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'll tell you what, if you, if you and I can become people who will pray When we see a need, if we'll begin, start right there. Lord, what, you've shown me this need, I've got eyes to see. What do I do about it? Instead of fussing and fuming and getting angry, if we would just learn to take those things to the Lord and and find people, find someone, ask God to bring into your life someone who will pray with you and for you, who will go to battle with you. It means the world. It really does. And then help. James 2, and and he's actually talking about the difference between faith and and, uh, genuine faith and, and false faith. But he talks about how a person shows up at your door and you say, well, be warmed and filled, but you don't do anything for them. I will tell you that prayer probably is going to have to proceed in most cases help. Not always, but many times. Because you may not know what to do, and that's okay. That's that's why many times God has us in that very spot. It's not an accident. We're there so we can acknowledge him and ask for his direction and his guidance, and through his help, then we can learn how to help somebody and truly make a difference. I like that painting because that woman's not going to go out and fight in the battle. She's not in the battle, but she's part of it. She's encouraging that soldier as he goes off. And in that culture, you can bet she'd be praying for him as he goes out to battle. That's the kind of people we need that are really going to war with us and for us, though they may not even be in the same battle. So how can you get involved? I, I like this picture. You Got a bunch of people Um Sleeping, looks like, in a classroom, you got one. But you know what I think this illustrates to me, unfortunately, about the, about the Christian community? Particularly in places like ourselves where we don't have to pay a heavy price for our Christianity. Many times we are the ones who are asleep. We're not thinking, And quite honestly, many times people don't care. And if they don't care, you got to wonder if they truly are God's children at all or not. Sometimes we get, we when we go asleep, I, I will just tell you, don't think of inactivity. Many times we're asleep spiritually because we're doing so many things that don't matter. But s- sadly, there are many times in church where we are asleep. We're asleep and, and to, to the people around us who need help. This is an interesting painting by the same author. This is Edmund um, Layton, I think his name is. It's called... Um, the uh, accolade, where obviously this guy's being knighted. What's he saying? By, by being knighted, he is saying, I am willing to go to war. And that's what we need. We need people who are willing to get involved. So how do, you, how do you start? Well, start by praying. Ask God to do a few things for you. Give you insight into people's lives. That was that passage where you wake from sleep. God, open my eyes. Show me, show me people around me that need help. Number two. Ask God to lead you to people you can help, that you can make a difference with them. And, and the reason I've got First John 5:14 and 15 there, it simply says this: that if we know that something is God's will, when we pray about it, we can be confident God's going to answer that prayer. So can we not ask God, Lord, I want to be used in a greater way in the lives of people? I want to make a difference in the lives of people. Lord, send me people that I can bless. Open my eyes to see it. Give me direction when I need it. Ask God to do this. Ask God to lead you to people you, who can help you too. Iron sharpens iron. I don't just want to be the only the, the, the person that, that only is, is helping other people. I want, some, I want God to grow me too. And by the way, let me say this. If you find a prayer warrior who pray for you too, that's a really, that's a tremendous blessing. But God may also help you through people who are irritating. He may. He may send you some people that are takers and that aren't, aren't givers. That's a way to help you too. Start by praying number two, determined to be Faithful. Um, Josh mentioned this one in Sunday School this morning too, but let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to see this because I will tell you this, you can't minister to people if you're not here. You can't minister to people if you don't take time with people. And that's why faithfulness to church, not just... And I appreciate some of you, obviously, you can't come more than uh, because of your work schedule or because of your health needs or whatever. But if you can be here for more services, it really helps because you can develop relationships. Because people don't typically just start telling you their life story. You don't get down beyond, much beyond the weather unless you spend time with people. That just is a reality. And you can't help people that you're not around. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He said, We are caretakers of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. You're really not going to get too far with people unless you are able to consistently be part of their lives. Number three, act as God gives direction. And here's the general rule. I want you to go there in closing. John chapter 13. These are two verses that I often refer to because they just shook my life a number of years ago. have overthrown a lot of um, my thinking. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. What did Jesus say? He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He says, I want you to love people like I love you. Boy, is that a high command. Whew. Because he laid down his life for me. He went through literal, not not the expression hell. guy was talking to me the other day. He says, you know, something, something about I went through hell. And I, he said it a couple different times, and I finally got a chance I just, you know, Got the courage of him and said, Well, nothing's as bad as real hell. Jesus experienced that for me. What I would have experienced in hell. He took that for me. He says, I want you to love other people as I love you. And then he says this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another, one for another. I will just say this to you, folks. If we get a number of people who are truly engaged in spiritual warfare for each other, where one can chase a 1,000, but two can chase 10,000. I will tell you that lives will be changed, and I will tell you that people will be drawn to the Savior, because unfortunately, there's not enough of that going around. Main thought is simply this the battle for souls is real we all need you to be involved you need me to be involved showing Christ's love for others may that be our challenge in 2024 to truly be sensitive to the Lord working in us and helping other people through us but it's going to come down to some serious going to battle for people spiritually If you would like some spiritual help, like counseling or prayer, feel free to contact us through our website. If you'd like to listen to this message again or send it to a friend, the link to our podcast is at radiobold.com/calkinsbaptist. As we leave you today, we pray that this broadcast has been a beacon of hope in your life to point you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. May God's richest blessings come upon you. Thanks for listening. Life and light, be free.